Hello, and welcome to episode five of Diversity University. We're four teenagers of different ethnic backgrounds talking about different topics important to us throughout our episodes. I'm Emmanuel, and I'm Mexican-American. I'm Faith, and I'm Ghanaian-American. I'm Danielle, and I'm Chinese-American. And I'm Abu, and I'm Bengali. For this episode, we will discuss how representation in media impacts our perception of ours and others' lived experiences. We will discuss topics that are connected to the books we read in schools, the movies we watch, and more. So since uh, we don't have a guest this episode, we're just going to have a lightning round with ourselves, I guess. And so the first question that everyone will answer is, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie, we were talking about this yesterday, is The Conjuring. My favorite movie is Spider-Man Far From Home because... I love Zendaya's part in it. My favorite movie has to be the cult classic Ratatouille. <laughs> and my favorite movie is um, The Godfather because it taught me how to be a man. All right, next question. Favorite book? My favorite book is An Invisible Thread. I really like the book Becoming by Michelle Obama just because it was kind of inspiring. My favorite book, it's The Devil in the White City. My favorite book is The Giving Tree. Yeah, that's, no, <laughs> Shel Silverstein. Dude, yeah. he's so Just because, like, you know, it was, it's that book. It's a it classic. Is, it is that book. All right, next question. Favorite TV show? Uh, my favorite TV show is um, Big Little Lies. Ooh. Oh, my God. It was so good. My favorite TV show is easily Avatar, 100%. Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender, yeah. My favorite TV show is Parks and Recs. One of the best sitcoms out there. Yes, that literally. show is so good. My favorite show is Narcos. Last question, favorite podcast. My favorite podcast is On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Very good guy. Very good guy. My favorite podcast is Diversity University. <laughs> Period. <laughs> My favorite podcast, Miss Duarte actually recommended it, Dr. Death. It's true crime. It's a really good podcast. I recommend it. My favorite podcast would be uh, the most famous podcast in the world, Joe Rogan's podcast, even though it's so basic, but that is my favorite because he's, he's a cool guy. All right, that's done with our non-lightning round, I guess. Okay, guys, well, first, let's just talk about how do you guys think that your race is perceived in the media, just in general? I mean, I guess Asians, they're typecasted as, like, the nerdy, smart person, the tech person, and... Also, in those, like, Asian films where they talk about, like, karate or something. Yeah. I feel the same about my race. Like, we're, we're also typecasted the same. This is, like, characters, like, in Disney shows such as Baljeet and Ravi and whatnot. They just portray us to be just, like, nerds. And what and it's, it's starting at a young age, like, we see these, like, characteristics within, like, certain groups of minorities and whatnot. So, as growing up, like, we portray Indians to be this type of, like, such as, like, a character such as Balaji or Ravi and like me especially growing up like I'd have to face those like I'd have to face those issues and what of just people like discriminating against me and calling me Balaji or like calling me Ravi you know. For black like African Americans I would say that a lot of the times depending on what type of genre it is it's a lot of like the stereotype of you know ghetto or gangs but then like some shows it's like com comedic they're used for comedic relief so that's usually what i see a lot generally speaking yeah i would say for me it's normally or for latinos i don't know i think there's like there's two views to it there's like one where like we're always portrayed as like again gang members drug dealers or you can be the really whitewashed latino that's like the best friends with the main character who just ends up looking white 
and no one knows that they're Latino. You only have like these handful of characters. These are the only characters that you are compared to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so those are just like the stereotypical tropes that we've seen in movies. Okay, what is y'all's opinions about colorism? Well, I would definitely say colorism in media. It's, I mean, again, it happens to all races, all ethnicities around the world, where, again, I'm talking about my personal experience in the Latino community, um, where everyone in the media, the news outlets, and movies, um, with Latinos, they tend to be more portrayed as the white Latinos who are rich and stuff like that and you can see if you watch like the Taylor novellas and stuff like that um it's normally the white latinos that are living in this nice mansion when you see the indigenous latinos in the back working as the servants so yeah i mean it's i think right now the biggest issue with the latin american community is um showing representation from the indigenous people and even the asian people that live in the, um, latin america and also the the black community as well i mean there's a whole issue with I believe it was Brazil with the um, the modeling thing for Miss Miss Brazil or something like that. And when they chose her, it was a really, really black woman, or like a really dark-skinned black woman. And she, um, the public got so mad that they had to change the person to a lighter-skinned black person just because wow. they didn't like the fact that she was that dark. So, so yeah, no, there, there's definitely a negative connotations towards being dark and it's a cultural issue. Colorism is also very like present in Bollywood films also. So like if you look at Bollywood, you see like the main actors of Shahrukh Khan, Salman Khan, who are all very fair skinned or white skinned Indian males. You'll see ads for creams such as like Fair and Lovely, which is very popular in India. It's a cream that um, kind of like makes your skin a little lighter on the like, even when you're just watching like a simple like cartoon or like watching the news you'll see ads for creams that make you lighter. Just like growing up with the struggle of just like what like being a dark-skinned male or like being dark, dark-skinned in any way. And you're seeing like all these whitewashed, all these, all these colored males being portrayed as such like less of a people. It makes like, it, it's a huge struggle for um, all those who are colored, you know? In China, there's a bias towards lighter skin tones, like paler skin tones, because like if you're darker, that means you, like you work in the farms and you're poor and uh, you are in the sun all day. And so there's that connotation. But I think also in Asia, beauty standards are also super westernized. So a big nose bridge or like you want a defined jawline. And so those also things, I, I know those aren't connected. Those are different from colorism, but like it's also just going back to Western beauty standards and how pale skin is also a Western beauty standard. Yeah, yeah, it's all rooted from that. What's the mm-hmm. standard? It was kind of like hard as like a child, a little child trying to grow up and find like you know a role model that looks like me when I was little in like am- animations. <clears throat> and I know they had like shows like such as like The Proud Family or something like that. But even with those shows over there, you can see if you like watch it, you can see like the effects of colorism. Like the darker skinned woman, the darker skinned girl. Uh, what was her name? Like Dejanay or something like that she was looked at as more obnoxious and and the other girl who was like more lighter skin was the smart person so i feel like even like growing up and seeing how colorism played a part in the media i would say that growing up i did have some negative presumptions about like being dark skin and just the way that in general like dark skin females were portrayed for being dark and i know that like even colorism 
is a big issue within the black community. But again, like we mentioned, it's also a big issue with every single race. There are some colorism issues in some parts of Africa. I, when I went to Ghana or something um, some time ago, like I was watching TV and in a commercial, it was like promoting skin bleaching cream. So like, that's again, something in the media, like it's promoting bleaching your skin. It's right in your face. Colorism does play like a big role in the black community just because it's really divisive. Like, you know, we're already minorities. We're already, we're already like divided. And then people use colorism to divide us even more. Yeah, and you definitely see that in the apartheid. You remember when we were studying Master Harold and the Boys? Yes. And we watched this video on, like, the marginalization. So, like, in South Africa, there's Black people, Afrikaans, and then there's colored. So, like, they're a separate group in themselves. Mixed people. Yeah, yeah. I was, like, doing research for my IA and for history when, um, like, when the Spaniards came over and, like, the amount of separation that they made between the people of, like, different races coming together where they, like, literally prioritized or, like, put at the top, like, obviously the Spaniards all the way down to the Africans and the Indians. And, like, they literally made, like, obviously, like, the names, like, Mestizos, Mulattoes, mm-hmm. um, and all the type of names. But, like, they went, like, they had, like, like a, a list of 30 type of people just because they're that obsessed with race and just, like, separating themselves within like their own community those divisive ideas like have been engraved in our head to this day when we actually go to portray our struggles to the media or to like the general public it's so hard for us to do so because we're already divided within ourselves so we can't have a clear message in the end and like have an end goal i think that's like a really important point i think i agree with that okay i love how danielle brought up like master Harold and the boys and i know that was a book that we studied in our junior year. So how did you feel about maybe the books? Cause I know the books that we studied um, last year was more on like global issues and things like that. So in terms of like the books that we read in school, I wanna hear y'all's opinion about like representation in literature and in the school curriculum. So like, so Master Harold and the, and the Boys, right? It was mm-hmm. so Master Harold and the Boys was the first book that we read, which is a one act play about um, two black males in South Africa who um, servants to the white, this white um, teenager, basically. It, it was like basically showing how close they were, honestly, but then also showing like the, I guess like the microaggression actions of the white male or like the the um, the separation between power and um, between the two races during the times of apartheid in South Africa. Woman at Point Zero, <laughs> which was about a woman who told her story of being abused and raped and um everything falling under the line of sexual assault with like that a woman can experience living in egypt and then the third book that we read was um boxers and saints which is basically when the british came to china to take over it was during the boxer rebellion during the boxer rebellion yeah yeah so, and an important point about woman at point zero it's also talking about um a woman's journey through sex work too and living in a patriarchy and then boxers and saints main thing was imperialism so a bit since you are muslim like what what was your honest opinion about the representation in that book from your perspective when it comes down to like fates being discussed in school uh it's very hard to like sit there and just like have somebody like have like a book or like have these discussions just kind of like bash your faith because of that because of actions of like a couple of males or a couple of couple of people within your religion so like for example in women at point zero it was like continuously just portraying the fact that muslim men could tend to rape women or muslim men tend to hate women or what whatnot even though um even though that's very against our religion it's very like 
it is discussed to not hit women. These actions of like a, these minority groups within our religion, basically like staining our image as a community. Say in the book, like you're, all these all all these kids that live in America that have never been to Egypt, that never know, that have never seen like Egyptian people, never met Egyptian people. When we read books like these, like we tend to believe that all Egyptian men or all Egyptians are like this. Their ideologies have been stained by like, so it kind of like makes our religion look bad in a certain way, although it's not really meaning to do so. Obviously, like we see where Abu is coming from with the misrepresentation of Muslim men. And again, what he's saying is if they were real Muslim men, they would not be doing what they said in the book. Um, but again, it's also the story is less about that and more about the story of a woman who had been sexualized her whole entire life and abused and raped and put into sex work and um and but i understand where abu is coming from because obviously it's set in an environment where it is a muslim community in egypt which is hard because us reading it in america where we don't have that much muslim representation um because like obviously like nowadays especially now a lot of people bash the christian religion like a lot of people say crap about it but again, we don't like put all of that and like hate it because we're so used to the Christian religion and like we know what it really means and what it stands for. But with Islam, a lot of Americans don't really know it that well. And so if when they like when they read this book, it kind of puts that as their first like idea of what Islam is and it makes a negative connotation for them. Yeah, and it's not only that, but it's also the fact that we also live in a post 9-11 era of like world where Muslims have since for basically forever though how muslims have been seen as terrorists or um as um people that we should fear um by just wearing a friggin' hijab it's hard because again the story is about a woman going through the experiences but also the environment it affects the way that americans view that story and how they view muslim which again for like people like abu who is muslim it's hard to see like your own faith being trashed especially yeah. in a place where islam isn't that um, my opinion on the whole woman at point zero and the portrayal of the muslim community this is my opinion so i do think that maybe americans or maybe in our school we should be taught more about breaking down stereotypes and yes we live in a post 9-11 um time and era where a lot there's a lot of like islamophobia and all these kind of stuff generated because of many acts of terrorism that were done from um muslim people but again it doesn't represent a whole faith it doesn't represent like one person's a few people's action does not represent millions of people but i think in the book i think the book the, the thing about that woman point zero i think that we should be considered of someone else telling like her story with it i don't necessarily think the 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 point of reading the book was to say hey guys so reading this book now listen all muslim men are bad and if you're but i don't think that's the point of that but i think since it was like a creative nonfiction, fiction story did have some truths to it does it apply to every man a, a lot of it was even men in general and that doesn't mean that every man is bad it doesn't mean that if you're Muslim, that is how you act. But she was talking about her struggles in that community. And I think that if we just say, if we just say, oh, like this story is just staining the, just staining the image of Islam or whatever, then it prevents like women 
to come out with their stories in whatever situation. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, I was gonna say that the our like what Abu and I were talking about with the whole giving a bad rep to the Muslim community, it shouldn't took take away from her story, um, which is the worst part. You can never take away someone else's story and um, degrade it or make it seem like it wasn't a bad thing. What I agree with Abu with what he said about like people high high up. I think those stuff are mentioned because it's more of a critique on patriarchy itself, not on religion, because those people are like high up. They have high positions, but they still abuse women and they still denigrate women. So I think that's more of a, the book itself is more of a critique on patriarchy, uh, critique on capitalism. Reading is two-sided, so like it's what you perceive of the book and then like the authorial choices that the author makes when writing it. And so when the reader also has to interpret it, but if you interpret it incorrectly, then that also kind of negates what the author is trying to say. Okay, now that we've talked a little bit about Women at Point Zero and some of the literature that we've read in school, I also want to know, what are your guys' opinion about the portrayal of struggle in our media? I do think there needs to be more like um, Asian American stories being told, especially not just East Asian, but all of Asia and Indigenous indigenous people from asia obviously yeah i would definitely say like obviously there's the white savior situation that um, we can see a lot with african-americans like the struggle of african-americans and there's always a white person that comes in um it's also prominent in the latin community with the whole um white person coming in to save the community or whatever like for example the movie stand and deliver where a math teacher comes to a poor latin community mexican community and um basically changes this class of latino kids um, to do well on their AP math exam so they can get money for their school and to show that the, um, to show the school district that like they're for real. And, but of course they can only do that with the power of a white male. <laughs> I think that portrayal struggle where, where there always has to be a white person coming into the struggling community to fix it isn't, that shouldn't be a regular thing that we should see because it shows that Hispanics can't fix themselves basically. So for portrayal media, I, I mean portrayal struggles, I want to talk about Africa specifically. I feel like a lot of times America, Americans, whenever they talk about Africa, they talk about it as if it is a country and it is a continent. So out of the whole continent, you can't think that, I feel like it's crazy for people to think that everyone doesn't have access to water. Everyone came from a struggling family. Everyone can't, everyone can't read. In many African countries, I just feel like a lot of times in the media, that's what they portray. And I think that although there are many developing countries in Africa, that does not mean that there aren't areas that are flourishing. The way that they portray Africa in general I just think that it's so misleading. It's just so much ignorance. And I feel like it has a lot to do with what the media shows us. Like I've had people ask my mom or something, do African people, like, do they still live in trees? And it's like, when was the last time you heard people living on trees and other comments like this? And I think media has a lot to do with it because all we're shown is the struggling areas. And that's all we know. That's all a lot of people know. And I believe the reason why America loves to do this is to give them the pleasure of them feeling like they're the best in the world. Um, Which I'm I'm not saying that we're not a good country. We're a great country. I mean, there are struggles, yes. Um, but I mean, I love America with all my heart and I'm glad that I'm here, but, um, I think the media, American media likes to portray that we are the best country. So by doing that, they show the poorest parts of every other country 
to the American people so that they can have pride in themselves, which then turns into supremacy of being like nationalism and being like thinking that we're the best. For some time, especially living in a white community, I was always like ashamed of saying I'm Mexican or saying that I'm Hispanic or showing any part of my culture um, or even speaking Spanish. For a while, I told my parents when I was younger that I don't want to speak Spanish anymore um, because I just didn't want to because I was ashamed or because I didn't feel like the white people would approve me of it. And um, so I think this this whole media thing where America portrays everyone else as poor affects us when we come here because then we don't want to feel like we're part of that country or we're not accepting our own culture. Um, so I know that's that's been a struggle for me, especially like going into high school and um, and like through middle school. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like me or other people, but if like I'm not like actively seeking uh, like content that portrays like Asian American struggle, or if like it's just not being produced, there's also like industry issues where when a white person tells the story of an Asian person and um, I was gonna say even with Africans, I feel like a lot of times it's not like Africans telling their struggles, mostly like other people saying that this is how these people are this is like their stories and that's why i feel like a lot of time we're we're accustomed to think that everyone in that in countries in africa are struggling because of this thing what's your opinion about maybe white people writing stories on marginalized groups an example oprah's book club had like this book called American Dirt. It was about like a middle-class Mexican mother and her son immigrating to America. And it was written by a white person. And so tons of people were outraged. I think a lot of the people who are outraged with the book is because um, tons of publishers give voices to white authors and publish their work, but they totally neglect story, like lived experiences also um, written into fiction by marginalized authors. My opinion about that whole thing is I'm kind of like mixed in the middle. So again, I feel like there is a problem within publication that do this thing where they don't highlight, you know, other groups, minorities and things like that. But I think my whole thing is I have a problem when stories or whatever are written by white people and are about like other people's like minority stories and they become whitewashed. But I do have some kind of sort of appreciation when maybe a white person is writing their, the story, but they take their time to do extensive research and make sure that it's authentic. Maybe they're getting, they're interviewing minorities and they're traveling around the world to a certain country to actually get this experience, actually interview people, do extensive research from this and that. I feel like I'm okay with that. I think necessarily it's always great to always trash uh, maybe a white person for telling the story if it is authentic. Why are we still in 2020 prioritizing white authors over? I Obviously, like, it's difficult for white authors. They put so much work into it, but it's also like you can probably give more justice to a different story. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Going off with um with what Danielle was saying about how find a better story with their own kind of people. I mean, that kind of is like hard to say because I mean, of course, white people like do research and stuff like that, um, with other cultures. But sometimes it's nice to give the minorities a chance to show their story um, instead of just choosing over the white person. And um, I think this is also relevant in the in the way like in in movies and TV shows actors portray themselves as, I'm going to bring up um, like gays or transgender 
when in reality they're not. And so that's been like a big thing in Hollywood and in um, TV production where um, where I don't know what, I forgot what show or movie it was called, but where someone portrayed to be a, um, to be a transgender. In, in Dallas Buyers Club? Yeah, yeah. So of course people are going to have issues with that because they never understood the issue. Like they, they don't understand, the actor doesn't understand what a real trans person goes through in their life. People will still get mad because they're not being represented. So like, for example, one of the, like, the biggest shows right now who f- like actually hired a full cast of well, trans people is um, the show Pose by Ryan Murphy. But everyone on there is a person of color, basically. Um, a, like, a couple of whites, but um, basically people of color and actually transgender. So it kind of gave, gave a relief to the community, the LGBTQ community, of allowing these actors to actually play the role that they're meant to be or that they want to be, instead of just hiring someone who is a cis male, straight male, trying to act like a transgender in a movie or in a show. So obviously, like right now, LGBTQ representation is increasing in TV right now a lot. Right now, it's from like the side characters or like the best friend or something like that. and like. In most shows, is like normally gay because that's like the most accepted as of right now. Um, but it's always like a gay relationship on the side, like in Riverdale or in um, basically any show that you watch. There's always like a gay character in there, <laughs> um, or a lesbian character. It kind of sucks because again, you're not represented as well. There's never a show of a main character being just gay or anyone in the in the LGBT community. I think LGBTQ representation media is still going at it, it's still growing, and it's still getting there. Essentially, what we're just trying to say here is representation is normalization, and so being open-minded to other people's stories and listening to what they have, what they have to say, what they've experienced is really important. Seeing more people of color in the media gives the public eye a true representation of what the world really is, and allowing people of color to reclaim spaces to amplify their voices is a necessary step that content creators need to reconsider. So thank you to all who tuned into this episode and we hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Please tune in for future episodes.